Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Well, let's let y'all know, man, today is the minimum of effort. Do not give up. Do not feel like you're tired. Were you tired? Think of last year and think of that record. Every time I get tired or I think I can't go no more, I think of that record. Last year wasn't it. That ain't us. We can make it. Have some heart. I get emotional about this. I'm about to cry because I care about y'all. Do your best. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. That was Jamal Williams, guy that we suggested yesterday could be one of the breakout stars of Hard Knocks, which debuts tonight. A lot of emotion there as the Lions try to turn around pretty much 60 years of ineptitude (laughs) (laughs) right they haven't won a playoff game since 1991 and in 2016 they had a commemoration of the 25th anniversary of their last playoff win not the kind of thing you want to remind people of lions and maybe another indication as to why they have been so inept for all these years but they're trying to turn the corner with dan campbell Chris Spielman, a sneaky, strong presence in that organization. I think the guy who really sets the tone, the the guy who wanted Dan Campbell. I remember when Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM, was on PFTPM last year. He said when his wife saw the Dan Campbell introductory kneecap-biting press conference, Chris, her first comment was, that's exactly the guy Chris would hire. So I think Chris Spielman, a huge factor in this attempt to finally turn the team around. Yeah, agreed. And I think we're both big fans of Brad Holmes, right? You add him into the equation. I think we're hopeful that Detroit can make some noise. You know, I, I, we're, we're going to question the quarterback and can he make enough plays to kind of get them over the edge in some games that were very close last year. You know, they had some heartbreakers. They really did. You really look at it. Few of those heartbreakers go a different way. We might be going, huh? The Lions kind of got something going, um, but they're interesting. And I do have faith in Dan Campbell. I do. I liked every move he made last year. I like his energy that he brings to the team. It's different. It's new. But I do think the young player, the new player of 2022, can relate to a guy like Dan Campbell. And man, you said it. Spielman been around for a long time. He knows what it's like. Culture, players, and then Brad Holmes coming from the Rams. I mean, we know they know how to build a team and especially find hidden gems in the second, third, fourth round. So Detroit's one of those teams I am adopting a little bit this year as like I'm rooting for them as like a de facto fan. I'm a Giants fan, but I am going to root for the Lions to be very relevant and and competitive in the NFC North. Oh, I'm sure Lions fans everywhere are thrilled by that news. (laughs) By the way, they've had like four retirements in training camp. I know. Dan Campbell said yesterday, football's not for everyone. Right. uh, maybe his brand of it isn't for everyone. Maybe the way that he's running camp is 
one of the reasons why these guys are calling it quits. And I saw some people suggest that last night, that this is old school football. There, there's still limitations on what you can do. Exactly. They record the practices. There are certain things that are now prohibited, like Oklahoma drills and bull in the ring. They're trying to limit the helmet contact. They've got the big giant guardian caps on anyway. It's a different experience than it used to be, but there may be an element of of something there in sure. Detroit that is separating the the football players from the guys who are ready to get on with, as Chuck Knoll would call it, their life's work. That, that's right. I mean, I, I don't necessarily look at it as a bad thing. You know, maybe you're you're weeding out, you know, just uh, the kind of guy you don't want a part of your program. And, hey, I don't think any of the four just off the top of my head are guys that we were looking at to be like, whoa, this is concerning. He was going to be a staple of the football team this year. So uh, I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, circumstances surrounding that. It is football. There's 90 guys. And you're going to have to deal with some crap when you're a guy like Dan Campbell and, and deal with those type of issues. But, yeah, it is, it is a little odd. And, of course, when they look at him and, oh, he's so big and tough, that's the first thing everybody talks about. You know, and he does have some Bill Parcells back in his, you know, in his DNA. So I'm sure it's not you know, the easiest camp in, in, in uh, all of football, that's for sure. Football is not for everyone. PFT Live is not for everyone either. What? But we are available to anyone on Peacock, Sirius XM 85 podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, and Sky Sports in the UK and in Ireland. Got some complaints yesterday on both coasts. Yeah, you glossed over we, the crowd yesterday. You just went right into it. You just said the hell know, with all of you. No, yeah. but, but the complaints yesterday yeah. came from two things, one of which I hope will be permanently fixed. Apparently, the on-demand replay cut off after 25 minutes, and that was fixed mid-morning. I continued to get email complaints about it, though, into like the late evening. So hopefully it was fixed. I think it was. We're working on it, they say. So maybe it wasn't fixed. I don't know. Now I know why I continued. Now I know why I continued to get complaints about it into the evening. And and look, we appreciate that we have, even though I can't quite understand it, a strong following in England, Ireland, all points of the UK, although Ireland is not part of the UK, as I am reminded from time to time, and I have finally now remembered that. There was a rugby game on yesterday, apparently a live rugby game, that delayed the commencement of our show. Hey, I don't want to be responsible for some Heidi moment in Great Britain. Oh, I do. I do. Let the live sports <laughs> I will, I, I, finish. <laughs> we will stand down. As long as they play the full t- two hours, I don't know, do we get preempted or we get delayed? Either way, the live sports take precedence over a couple of Yankee knuckleheads talking about <laughs> the kind of football that most people in Europe don't care about, although we're doing our best to make them care about it one person at a time. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a funny story. That is. I, I would. That would be cool, though. I mean... You know, that's when you know you're big time, like Heidi, when, when they t- turn off a live event and go, man, the people are clamoring for pro football talk with Florio Sims. We got we to gotta get off this rugby game. I know it's tight and it's coming down to the end here, but man, Florio and Sims got things to talk about. By the way, by the way, I'm now told via the document through which we communicate during the show, although the on-demand version of yesterday's show appears to be only 25 minutes in duration. If you click on it, you will get the full show. The Peacock team has given us the Peacock pledge in that regard. Also, as to Heidi, I think that was kind of the death knell of Heidi. I think Heidi was big time (laughs) until she big time the Jets and Raiders, and then Heidi just wasn't cool anymore. Yeah, you're you're probably right. I, I, I feel like I've... It definitely ruined it for a lot of people. Like, so what? What year was that? Was that seventy two, seventy three, sixty eight, sixty nine? Oh, it was that. It was Something that like early. That. Okay, it was a little yeah. earlier than I thought. There. Okay, sixty eight is the official year. All right. Yeah, I know. You're right. I think it did die that day. I don't think I've heard much about it ever since. And actually, Heidi, I don't. That was a movie, Heidi. I don't. I don't. I haven't seen it's Heidi. A movie. Yeah. All right. I haven't seen that one. Sorry. I don't know if it was like a Wonderful World of Disney thing. I can't remember what network had. There was. Yeah, listen, Sunday nights after football ended, it was Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. I didn't know what Mutual of Omaha was at the time, and I don't think I do even today. Is it in that Wonderful bank? World of 
No, yeah, it was. A, I assume it's an insurance company. Uh, Wonderful World of Disney was on. I mean, there was. You had like three options. I mean, think about think about how different the world was. Go ahead and play that piano, okay? I mean, I but I grew up in do. that. I mean, I guess there you need to play it for me to too. Do. I, no, yeah. you at least had cable. You had TBS, TNT, Showtime, HBO, etc. Early on, when I grew yeah, up, yeah. it was three channels, right, and nothing else to do. Nothing other than the electric football game that never worked. Football cards to sort and play with and stick in the spokes of your sh- of your bicycle or whatever. There was nothing to watch. There was nothing to do. The world was a far different place than it is today. Anyway. I, we laugh about it all the time, all the time, because there's my, my my wife is telling a story yesterday about they're at the doctor's office and my son forgot his phone. Right. Well, he has to wait for, you know, my daughter and my my wife to kind of get done with their appointment. And she, my my wife's telling me he had a meltdown. I don't have my phone. What am I going to do? I can't wait here. And, you know, I'm, I'm always reminding him like, hey, dude, when I woke up, we didn't, I mean, when I was grew up, we didn't have any of that crap. You know, none of it. Like, so figure it out, take a deep breath and learn to be patient. But th- that's not the generation we're in right now. And to your point, Mike, I-, I do, I am old enough to where in my early years, at least of five, six, seven around there, we didn't have the cable box on every TV in the house, right? There might've only been like two, two TVs that had the cable box. Yeah. Play it up. 1980, <laughs> 42 years ago. <laughs> old man Sims joining old man Florio. And I, I remember like going, oh man, dad's in there watching that TV and I can't go watch, you know, cable or anything there. And then going to another T and really having TV and only having channel two, channel four, channel seven. And like, Channel 11 up here, which was like WPIX, like local. It was only a few channels, so I, I can relate to a degree. Yeah, look, it it it, uh, it was just – and nobody's even watching TV anymore. Everything is streaming. I'm overwhelmed by it. And I I, I have YouTube TV now, so I, it's not like there's traditional TV anywhere. And as I said – and look, we're, we are getting closer and closer. I know we're, we're – the folks in the control room being patient because we got stuff to get to. We haven't gotten there yet. We are not far away from the moment where millions of people have this realization that Thursday night football this year ain't on TV. I, we know it because we live it. You know it if you watch the show. If you follow football closely, you know. But I guarantee you that there are millions who have yet to have that light bulb flicker in their brains that the only way they're seeing Chargers Chiefs week two Thursday night football yeah. is if they have whatever it is that Amazon Prime is. Now, I think there's an expectation. A lot of people know what it is, but I think there's a lot of people that don't. And I'm fully expecting a phone call from my father-in-law on Thursday, September 15, with the very important question of what channel is the game on right, tonight. Right, right. Yeah, and, that's, that's and when an you issue. get one of those smart TVs now, right? I I say you turn it on. We did it last night because we dialed up YouTube TV and watched the next to last episode of Better Call Saul. I, I I'm sad that it's ending, but it's just this explosion of apps and squares and this and that, and you scroll and there's more. And I that would be so intimidating to somebody who didn't like gradually embrace the change of the technology. Like if I was even older than I am now, I'd turn that on and I'd freak out and I'd rip it out of the wall and I'd go, just go watch the goldfish bowl. Uh, I am. I am. I'm still I am a little bit still direct TV, just flipping through the channels. I'm that guy a little bit. Uh, and and the, the the app thing does overwhelm me at times. I feel like I never have a clue of like what's a good movie that's out anymore. I, I don't even know. I never hear it through the grapevine. You know, some good shows, certainly. Yes. Uh, but I hear you with the Amazon Prime thing. That That is going to be tricky. I'm going to be interested to see how that plays. I have got an experience with my Yankees are on Amazon Prime every Friday night. So I have at least toyed with that and play with it there. And, you know, it, it is. It's a good watch. There's moments, though, where it might freeze for a second, and I got to press, like, pause or rewind on the remote and go through it that way. So, you know, hopefully that'll get better for Thursday night football because there'll be a lot more people watching that than there is, you know, a Friday night Yankees game. 
one of the realities here, even though I live in the sticks in West Virginia, as many would think, that we're out in the middle of nowhere, our Internet service is awesome. We have no issues. Because with cable, you would just have to accept the fact, when we first got cable growing up, that there would be, once every couple weeks, a three-hour period where cable was out. And it just wasn't – it was just out. You couldn't watch anything. You had to see what what channels you could somehow get through whatever was left of your rabbit ear antennas. And uh, and with DirecTV, hey, if it's raining hard or if it's snowing, oh, you're screwed. Big trouble. So – yeah. Um, and we, we just I probably jinx myself now. I, 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 I probably guarantee there's going to be an Internet outage during this show and I'm going to be knocked offline. But it really has been very good here. And we're able to watch whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, including Amazon Prime. And we're not that far away from the debut of Thursday Night Football on Amazon. And obviously, Peacock has all of the Sunday Night Football games and the postgame show featuring a certain large headed human who is on the other side of the screen. All right. <laughs> The first game of the season is coming. It's just 30 days away, and that will be on NBC and Peacock. The Rams hosting the Bills. And the question of the Matthew Stafford elbow continues to be an issue. He didn't practice on Monday. Here is Sean McVay being questioned and answering that question about Matthew Stafford not throwing in a recent practice. And with uh, Stafford today, was that... Part of the plan. Part of the plan. Yes. Not, not a reaction to what, how much throwing he did the other no, day. No, it was. Uh, we've always kind of stayed true to the, you know, the first day. Of the, you know, this one's a three-day bucket. He'll, he'll work tomorrow, and um, you'll see him do a similar workload to what he did last week. Part of the plan. It's easy to say it's part of the plan if the plan includes, hey, my elbow's sore. Okay, don't throw today. But there is more of a formula to it. They do three days on and one day off, and. They're just they're, they're being very careful. They're being very cautious. It's going to continue to be a thing. I think it's going to get more and more attention as we get closer and closer Agreed. to that Thursday night opener, Chris. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we're watching it. I'm not like overly concerned, uh, like we talked about yesterday. I mean, there at least the capabilities like we're seeing to go. Uh, well, he can still throw it and make all the throws. You know, we discussed yesterday. Yeah, it's a little different in a live environment. It's not quite as controlled. So that's when the body gets in some weird positions. But I, I do believe, Sean McVay, that that's part of the plan. You know, they're, they're going to take it slow. There's no rush. He is a guy that is, is tough as hell, battled through injuries through a lot of his career, been able to have weeks of limited practice and still play great football on Sunday. And he's gotten that age and that point in his career, like a Rodgers, a Brady, you know, some of the older quarterbacks, where it is a little bit riding a, riding a bike. They don't need the everyday, you know, excruciating, you know, practice reps to get better or be as good as they can be. Uh, he has to hit that point in his career. And, and I do believe, Sean McVay, that this is it. Slowly just try to get this thing in shape to hopefully they can get to that Thursday night when I'm out there and you're not. Uh, and he's feeling painless and can throw, you know, lasers all over the football field. Because, man, that would be a buzzkill. If we went out there for that game and there was no Josh Allen and Matt Stafford playing against each other, uh, that would hurt my heart as a football fan for sure. I think it would have a negative impact on the ratings for that game as well if yeah. it's Josh Allen versus John Wolford. Although football is back, and I think that people will tune in by the millions, even if you're playing quarterback that uh, night. Agreed. For the Los Angeles Rams. Agreed. They're not which would see be good something football. to see. <laughs> yeah, which they're... that would be a sight to behold. <laughs> that would be. If, I, I'd if be the all guy... of their quarterbacks get injured and they do an emergency <laughs> right. roster addition because you're the only guy over six feet tall who can throw a football in the building, <laughs> and there is Chris Sims. Uh, like, that would be awesome. I'd be that the guy be awesome. like in that Necessary would be better Roughness. Than you remember Necessary Roughness, the movie, like the comedy movie Never back watched. Today. Oh, it's, it, it has some funny parts, but they have a bad quarterback in, and he, he, he's overwhelmed, and he runs back to the ref and tells the ref to blow the whistle because he sees every, the pocket collapsing. So that would be me. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I can't take a hit. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. I'd take a, I'd take or, a dive for or sure. You'd, you'd be <laughs> Brucey from the Longest Yard reboot from 17 years ago. Chrissy's time to shine is what would happen. <laughs> right. On, uh, just don't eat popcorn before the game. Um, <laughs> one item of old business. Because this Thursday night opener reminded me of it. Yesterday we were talking about the ultimate deadline for the 49ers to get Jimmy Garoppolo off the roster before they owe him his full salary for this year. I've determined that it's 4 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, September 10. And I thought of that now. And again, I'm not trying to jinx 
Matthew Stafford or Josh Allen in the opener, but it's another reason for the 49ers to keep him because there's a football game that counts that is played before the Jimmy Garoppolo salary becomes fully guaranteed. And if something should happen, I'm not saying which team or which quarterback, but if something should happen in that opening game, you got Friday to do a trade. And I know somebody said to me yesterday, well, team may not have cap space. Well, you know what? You make cap space. You renegotiate the contract. You get a day to get it done. It's all the more reason. Because, again, there's this thought that the 49ers are going to cut him on August 30, three weeks from today, when the rosters go to 53. I think if you're that committed to this bit, Chris, you play it all the way up. I do, too. Until 3.59 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, September 10, because there is a game that counts two days before. Yeah, I, I agreed there. I do. It just, it, it, I guess the only thing, yeah, you're, the only thing that I think that maybe throws a, a wrench into that plan is, you know, if there's some availabilities that are out there, and then the 49ers can't, you know, come to trade terms with Garoppolo, right? Or trade terms with that football team. Maybe maybe they don't like what they're being offered. Is, is, are the 49ers, that's where I, I get into, like, well, what are, what's going to happen there? Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to make an issue? Because he's going to be like, wait, wait, you know, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be here. So that's the only way I could see that kind of going you know, the wrong way or sideways, for lack of a better way to say it, is if something like that happened. Hey, there's a team or two out here who need a quarterback. They flirted with trading for Jimmy G, but the price tag's too much, and they're just not going to do it. And now Jimmy G's antsy and like, wait, wait, I want to get out of here. I want to go play. I don't even care about the $25 million. I got a chance to go play. And maybe that becomes a, a distraction. Shanahan already alluded to it's awkward, as is anyways, a little bit, having him around the building, and they're doing their best. So uh, that would be the only way. But I'm with you, Mike. If that doesn't happen, you do. You ride that to the end. And uh, I've seen that happen before, even in my own playing career with some of these veteran players that you know you knew were going to get cut at some point, but you're hoping some team might trade for them. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. I think back to 2016, Teddy Bridgewater has that torn ACL. The Vikings go into full-on desperation mode. And I remember Rick Spielman bemoaning the fact that everyone knew that they had a need and no one was going easy on them. They ended up giving up a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick to the Eagles for Sam Bradford so the Eagles could go forward with Carson Wentz, which seemed like a good idea at the time. Not that Sam Bradford lasted that much longer either, but the Vikings were so desperate to move forward with someone they felt good about at quarterback, they gave up a one and a four to make it happen. So I think that's why the 49ers are doing what they're doing now. The point is there's no reason to end it three weeks from today because a lot can still happen between August 30 and September 10, including a regular season game that will have two starting quarterbacks facing a live defense with no red jerseys, no quick whistles, well, sometimes you see quick whistles, which is good. We want to keep the quarterbacks healthy, but that's going to be an opportunity for somebody to get injured. So why would you? I mean, the dumbest thing you could do if you're the 49ers is cut Jimmy Garoppolo on Wednesday the 7th and then watch the game on the 8th, and there goes the starting quarterback, and we could have traded Jimmy Garoppolo after all. Yeah, no, I, you're right, and I, I think that's exactly right, and that's why they, they will wait to the end. You know, they'll, they'll find a way to finagle the roster and figure some of those things out, but uh, yeah, they seem hell-bent on trying to make something happen, trying to get something back for Jimmy G. I think it goes back to something you said really from the start, that there was a master plan here, at least in the Shanahan-Lynch mind, and they, they, it didn't come to fruition. And, yeah, they're, they're going to hold tight with this and, and see, see what happens. You know, I, I, had, I had somebody, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people, like, float the ideas of, like, with that trade, you know, back at that time with – with the whole draft pick and all of that, that maybe the, the plan was, right? I have people ask me this sometimes. Do you think the plan was to make it look like Mac Jones at number three and really 
that wasn't intended, but they wanted it to be that way. So New England at that time would go, oh, wait, okay, we're not going to get Mac Jones. We don't have a quarterback, so let's trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I never really thought about that. I've had some people bring that to my attention. Maybe. Maybe Shanahan was doing something like that. Maybe I'm unaware. I'm not going to buy that. But uh, I, I do have people like on radio and things like that ask me, you know, little theories like that from time to time. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Putting out the false idea that right. they traded up to number three to get Mac Jones instead of what some have heard, that including you, that yeah. they really wanted right. Mac Jones. But it was about moving Jimmy Garoppolo and then but they, they ended up starting him and almost making it to the Super Bowl with him last year. It's been a weird situation. They have handled the quarterback position in such a weird way for an elite team. I can't remember a time when an elite team has made so many mistakes at the quarterback position from passing on Patrick Mahomes yeah. to trading for Jimmy Garoppolo instead of waiting for Kirk Cousins. People say, oh, God, Kirk Cousins. You and I agree. They'd have a Super Bowl win or two if they had gotten Kirk Cousins. Despite the limitations of Kirk Cousins, Kyle Shanahan would have made it work. Yeah, and he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Said no thank you to Tom Brady. Said no thank you to Tom Brady when Brady wanted to come home and play for his 49ers. Uh, And and then then this whole thing of you you trade up to number three and you don't really know who you're going to take. And then you keep Jimmy Garoppolo and he plays all year and we don't see anything from Trey Lance. When we do, he's injured. And now we're on the brink of the end. The the, The best thing they've done... And it still isn't all that new in the grand scheme of things. We're two weeks since they finally had this realization. We just got to go all in with Trey Lance. Yeah, it's never going right. to get any better right. if we continue to cling to this idea that maybe he's not ready and we're going to stick with Jimmy G. So yeah. I'm, I'm we'll with see how it plays out. Yeah, there, 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 there out. seems like there was some, some, you know, I'm with you in the fact that you kind of called this from the beginning. There's some overcompensation maybe from some of the misses and or things that they didn't do that they wish they did, and maybe that's why they were so aggressive in trading up to spot number three. The Mahomes one's the one I'm always going to think of because you know, and I know we were just getting to know each other at the time, but I was the guy that was literally going, no, this is the best player in the draft, and you know, not that I'm having those type of conversations with, with Kyle Shanahan, but I do think about what if sometimes. I just go, man, man, what what would they be like in that alternate universe you like to talk about if, Patrick Mahomes was on the San Francisco 49ers with Kyle Shanahan and the team that him and John Lynch have built the last few years. You know, it's uh, I, I think it could have been very, very special. I think Kyle would have more than zero and Patrick would have more than one. I would agree with that, too. Right. I, I would agree. Yeah, we'd be talking and, and dynasty. That's what I'd be. To, I, I would think there was a point where you were discreet about this, but Kyle Shanahan has since said it himself. He didn't even evaluate Patrick Mahomes because he was waiting for Kirk Cousins. Right, right. I don't think it was like they were not thinking quarterback. And then at the time, you know, I, I, again, I, I think there was only a few people who were really, you know, maybe seeing, and I'm not trying to say I'm, a, you know, God's gift to the world here with evaluating, but I've been pretty good with the quarterback position. And I, and as you know, I, I, don't th- I don't think a whole lot of people valued him as highly as I did or Sean Payton or obviously Andy Reid. I think a lot of the league was like, "Ah, it's Texas Tech. You know, man, it's a lot of yards, but can he really play? He almost seems like he's like a trick shot artist. Is he a real quarterback, you know, sidearm and all these crazy throws? So, uh, but he, that's why he's special because he's changed the thought of quarterbacking here. In the last two years. Now we're like, if you can't throw it sidearm and do this on the run and throw it across the field, damn, we don't even want to draft you anymore. So uh, it is. It was an interesting set of events there. And I do uh, I do think that, yeah, you're right. And, and, and I think we know that. I know that. That Kirk Cousins was on the radar. He was comfortable with him. And I think he thought he was going to get him, you know, after that first year in San Francisco. San Francisco. I think it's one of the lessons to all coaches of all teams at all times and general managers and owners because the owners ultimately set the agenda and they can tell the people who work for them, maybe you should evaluate all the quarterbacks every year. And I think that's the message. Evaluate all the quarterbacks every year as if you need one because you may find one that is better than the one that you either currently have or the one that you plan to get or both. And it could change everything. One guy could change everything. And I've got – a lot of stuff in Playmakers about Patrick Mahomes, but you're right. It was Sean Payton who loved him and kept his mouth shut. Andy Reid who loved him and kept his mouth shut. Mike McCarthy. Yes, I've heard Mike McCarthy. Him in Green Bay right. loved him and kept his mouth right, shut. Right, right. And, uh, and they came 
tell the story, and, and, and Sean Payton has separately told this as well, that Drew Brees is in the draft room with some of his Purdue buddies, and they're getting ready to take Mahomes with the 11th pick. It's <laughs> uh, an amazing story. You know, Sean Payton yeah. says to Mickey Loomis, we better go we better go Drew tell know. Drew because his heart's about to go into his neck. We may be taking a quarterback here. <laughs> right. and, and I know that they've kind of softened it by saying, well, we really wanted Marshawn Lattimore. If he'd have been gone, we would have taken Mahomes. Yeah, I'm not they buying were that Mahomes one if he was there at yeah. 11. They yes. were taking Mahomes if he was there at 11. Right. And they wouldn't gotten they would have gotten Alvin Kamara the same damn draft. What a draft that would have been. Right. To have Mahomes and Kamara in the same draft. All right. Pete's finally telling us to move on. I'd say for the most Pete, you didn't like hour, our talked about our nothing Mahomes, we were supposed to talk about. Our Mahomes talk there. I thought that was good down memory lane. <laughs> Joe Burrow oh. is back after having his appendix removed. Quiet, Pete. Joe Burrow is back. Zach Taylor, coach of the Bengals, says, I don't want to put a timeline on it, but it's been encouraging. He's back to himself in meetings, and he is looking good. Mike Ryan, the Sunday Night Football sports medicine analyst, tweeted something recently about how long it takes. I mean, it's not like, hey, my appendix was out, and I'm good to go. You've had you know, your body Surgery. cut open. Yeah. Somebody reached inside and removed something, and they sewed it back up. You got muscle that was invaded. You got things that have to heal, and that whole – you know, yes. that whole, right. this this is fairly important to Very. what quarterback does. This is kind of good. I, I could just keep doing this. <laughs> but uh, I, it's got to it's gotta be good for something. Better than just sitting here. Why don't we just do this the whole show? Uh, but anyway, it's going to take some time, and he's back, and he'll be ready to go for week one. The question is, what's he missing? Yeah. Does it matter? It's not like they have an overhaul of the receiving core like they do in Green Bay. I think he'll be fine, and they'll be fine. I think so, too. Uh, yeah, one, you got to be careful. I mean, yeah, you, you're saying it right. That twisting, that torquing that you're trying to throw, you know, a 50-yard go route, a 20-yard in cut, and you're trying to throw something with, you know, a little heat on it. That's when you create those opposites between the upper and lower half. And that scar, I mean, anybody, you know, most people have seen an appendix or appendectomy scar there. It is kind of right there at that crease of where that happens in that motion that you were just, you know, so gracefully showing the audience on TV. So you, you got to be careful there. And, 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 yes, you don't want to tear anything. Maybe the muscle's not completely healed there yet. I'm not concerned. He's the man. They'll be ready to go. I'm just a little bit like, ah, oh, man, I wish he could be out there because, I, I, you know, I'm one of those that I, I don't see. I know there's, there's the debates out there where, like, will the Bengals fall off la- from last year? And, you know, will, will it be one of those things? I'm one to go. I think last year's a jump off with that group there. I do. I just think it just gave them confidence, and that's where I wish he was out there just building that with them because I think they, they're they on the precipice of, of something special there with that crew they got on the offensive side of the ball. You said it. It's a great receiving core. It's a special group of talented skill players, and now they got an offensive line to go with it. But but I think all in all, you know, you're right. They're, they're going to be fine, and he'll be fine, and he'll be ready to go week one. Interesting psychological experiment, though, because only two teams have ever won the Super Bowl the year after losing the Super Bowl. It is hard to go back down to the Valley of Zero and Zero, as the Denver Dolphins to call it, and fight your way out. It was the Dolphins in Super Bowl Seven after losing Super Bowl Six to the Cowboys, and it was the Patriots oh, in yeah. '53 after right. losing '52 to yep. the Eagles. They beat the Rams in '53 and lost to the Eagles in '52, and obviously won '51. Over the, they're basically in the Super Bowl every freaking year for a while there. They just didn't they didn't win more than one in a row. They were in 49, 51, 52, and fifty three, and won one Two, three. three. Yeah, they won three. three. They yeah, won, won forty nine, fifty one, and fifty three. Yeah, but they didn't go back to back like right. they did back in the last uh, uh, the early part of their dynasty. Of the dynasty. Right. Yeah, they were losers. So anyway, um, <laughs> Bengals. Bengals, uh, after because I remember when the Bears got shut out by the 49ers in 84 in the NFC Championship game. Right. That lit the fuse for the 85 Bears. Sure. I've heard the accounts, the flight home, everybody was pissed off, and they just decided, you know what, next year we're going to go take this thing. That's falling short of the Super Bowl. There's something about getting to the Super Bowl, yes. not winning it, and starting over again that is difficult. There was a recent comment from Joe Mixon about how he wishes he had forced his way back onto the field. Remember, they used Samaj P. Ryan right. in that two-minute drive, and it was third and one, and P. Ryan didn't get the first down. Mixon you know, maybe would have, and P. Ryan was actually the intended target for the desperation throw that Joe Burrow made, and Mixon 
upset that he wasn't out there. And it's just one of those things. It's not quite Super Bowl 49 pass instead of run that, that kind of stayed with the Seahawks for a long time. But the, the, it's you, it's you want to get back to that point. The hard part's getting to that point. Yeah. The easy part's finishing the job, just like with the 49ers. Remember when Kyle Shanahan said a couple of years ago, what I want to do is get back to where we were and finish the job? The easy part's finishing the job when you're up 10 with seven minutes left. The hard part is getting to the point where you're up 10 in the Super Bowl. They're, they're, the hard part's yeah. getting to the playoffs and winning playoff games. Look, at the, look how close the margins were. The Bengals could have and should have lost every game. Right. That they played, they could have lost to the Raiders, maybe should have lost to the Raiders. Could have lost to the Titans, should have lost to the Titans. Should have lost to the Chiefs. It's, it's, it's tough to, you're drawing an inside straight. I mean, it's, this is not easy to do to get to the Super Bowl, and it's only going to be harder this year in the AFC. Yeah, the AFC's loaded, especially with those special quarterbacks. That's where, you know, you're not, you're not always to the point of what you just said there. When you got a special quarterback, sometimes the best team doesn't win. Because the quarterback just makes a few plays that the other team didn't, or the other quarterback, you know, made some mistakes, aka Ryan Tannehill, and he's not Joe Burrow. I mean, yeah, there's that, and and I think you know you're you're right. There is a psychological element. You talked about those '84 Bears, and then that was the jump off for the '85 Bears, and then on that year, guess what happened? The '85 Bears shut out the New York Giants, 21 to nothing, and that became the jump off for the '86 Giants. And there is something there where wait, we didn't get to the Super Bowl and we're angry and we don't know what it feels like to be there as compared to, you know, we got there, oh my gosh, what a journey, and we lost. It's just more devastating, and I, I got to think... And you have a bigger target the next year, yes, too. Yes, you, you do. You got a bigger target 100%. on you if you made it. You're 100%. Everybody's going to want to measure themselves against the Bengals early on in the football year and go, this is the team that won this or was in the Super Bowl last year. Look at us. You know, and they're going to be able to sell that to their fan base. That's what builds a little confidence and culture in a team. But the letdown of that, and then, I don't know, maybe the taste in your mouth of, wait, we did get there. You know, maybe that takes a little of the hunger away. I don't know. But there certainly seems to be like a psychological block there that is, uh, you know, hard to overcome. There's no question. Yeah, it, it, it really isn't. And some may scoff at this, but I think it's real because the games are so close that factors like that do matter. Yes. Because the games come down to a play here and a play there. And if you're just a little more prepared, a little more excited about measuring yourself against the Bengals, when have the Bengals ever been in our lifetimes the measuring stick for anything other than how bad you are? Oh, you lost to the Bengals. You must really suck. I mean, other than the late 80s. since the 88 team, yeah. that, that's it. Yeah. The, 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 the team that almost beat the 49ers in Super Bowl 23 and, and similar to similar to Super Bowl 56 almost won the game. And it's not like the Bengals came back the next year. That was the front end of them slipping into decades of crap. And right. that's not going to happen with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and company. That would be a shock if it occurred because they're on the front end, not the back end. But but still, it's it's not easy to do when you've lost the Super Bowl because you do have the target as if you'd won it. And in the AFC this year, I don't know who the hell is going to emerge from that. And it's going to be driven by injuries, bad calls, good call for the other team, bad call for one team, weird bounce to the ball, crazy weather. It's going to be something like that determines who well, makes it to the Super definitely. Bowl. Definitely. And, Mike, you know, I'm just going to echo one more thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to butt in there. Just let, hey, matchups matter too. You know, it does. And, and, and I had – uh, many people when I was in Cincinnati kind of refer to, we wish we would have saw the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They were disappointed that the Rams got there. They knew the Rams were the worst matchup for them. You know, and that's what frustrates you too sometimes. Just you go, oh man, that was like the one team with their bad offensive line that they just didn't want to see, you know, that way. So it, it is, it's just like you're saying, it's a game of inches. There's so many little things that go into it. I'll be one to sit here and go, I, if the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl and played the Rams, I think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. They have a good enough offensive line to block that group up there. And then with Mahomes, I'd go, I don't like that matchup for the Rams in that one. So it is, a, there's so many things that you think about, ooh, what if this happened? What if that happened? And uh, it is. It's hard to, to replicate it, and we've only seen special teams really do that. 
The New Orleans Saints went through a four-year stretch of what if this happened, what if that happened with their postseason exits. The only good news about not making the playoffs last year, they didn't have their hearts ripped out and shown to them at some point in the postseason, unlike 2017, 18, 19, and 20. Dennis Allen yesterday spoke to reporters after quarterback Jameis Winston, John Lynch perked up, Kyle Shanahan perked up on this one. Jameis Winston left practice with a lower leg injury. Here's what Dennis Allen had to say. Jameis went in today, with uh, kind of tweaked his foot a little bit. Um, he went in for some evaluation. I don't have any update on that, um, but it was it was uh, kind of rolling out. I think it was in the seven-on-seven period that kind of felt it tweak a little bit, and, and so we wanted to go in and get him evaluated. In spite of the tweak, um, could you kind of summarize to this point how you feel he's done in the context of his recovery from surgery? I think he's done great. Yeah, I think I think he's he's done really well. I think he's in a good spot, and uh, um, yeah, I like where he's at. And look, look, let's be realistic about this. Now, there were conflicting reports yesterday whether it was ankle or foot, and now the indications are everything's fine. If if it isn't fine, they're not going to tell us it isn't fine because they're going to try to get Jimmy G under circumstances where they're not desperate to get Jimmy G. So I fully expect what was said by Dennis Allen and the reports that are coming out to be exactly what they were, even if it is serious. So I'm just saying keep that in mind because this, is a, this isn't the normal situation because there's a play there to be had and Garoppolo was linked to the Saints at some point in the offseason. They're one of the teams Makes trying sense. to get to Sean Watson. Yep. So they're not, they, they have no reason to tell the truth to anyone if they're secretly saying, holy crap, Jameis is screwed. They're not going to tell anyone. They're going to try to get Garoppolo without having that same desperation the Vikings had when everybody knew Teddy Bridgewater was done. Yeah, they're going to play coy. They're going to play coy, but they'll only be able to do that so long if it is serious because, as you know, it, it'll yeah. trickle Where's out. Where's Jameis? Right. Where's Jameis? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll trickle out, too, and, you know, guys will start to hear, oh, man, it is serious, and they tell their agent or their friend, and then their friend tells somebody on another team, and then it'll be out there. So there's only so long they'll be able to play that game. Um, but hopefully it is okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I always worry when it's a guy coming off a major injury because, as we discuss all the time, usually one major injury can lead to other little or other injuries altogether. And, you know, especially then when you hear on top of that, you know, he's just rolling out and it's non contact, or that's when I'm always like, oh, okay, so what happened? You know, and, and uh, so, so I hope things are okay, but. I think it's you know something to watch for, and you're right. They're they're not going to play their hand yet until they totally know they're they're backed into a corner here. This game of poker is too high stakes for the Saints to tell the truth if Jameis Winston has anything other than a minor injury. That's the point. There's no reason for them to tell us and indirectly or directly the 49ers if they're going to try to get Jimmy Garoppolo as the replacement for Jameis Winston if they need one. The Raiders seemingly are done with Josh Jacobs, in my estimation, seemingly ready to move on. The fact that he was used extensively in the Hall of Fame game, the fact that they didn't pick up the fifth-year option, the fact that Josh McDaniels uses a revolving door of running backs driven by matchup, et cetera. Josh Jacobs isn't going to be the workhorse that has over 250 touches per season like he did each of his first three in the NFL. Here's McDaniels yesterday responding to speculation stoked by some on the screen here, maybe on this show, maybe at profootballtalk.com, on the question of whether or not the Raiders are currently shopping Josh Jacobs via trade. Have a listen. You know, J.J. is a guy that obviously we uh, we know what he's done. Um, and as I said after the game, you know, I, I really do believe that the backs in, in any, you know, situation, they don't really get to simulate what's going to happen during the course of the regular season. And... And so, you know, giving them an opportunity to actually get tackled, take care of the football, um, you know, and, and get acclimated to a new system, quite honestly. You saw a lot of the linemen play most of the first half that started the game again. Um, so, you know, like I said, we'll try to do what's best for the team. Um, we felt like that was a good thing, a good opportunity for all our backs that played. Um, I, we have a lot of confidence in JJ and, you know, he did well with his opportunities, which we, which we hoped he would. And he did, 
Um, but no, that has we have n- no desire to do that at all. No desire, no intention, no plan. Come on, come on, come on, come on. The, the actions speak for themselves. If this is your intended top tailback for the 2022 season, he's not the only skill position player who is starting from your starting lineup in the Hall of Fame game. There's no Devontae Adams. There's no Derek Carr. There's no Hunter Renfro. There's no Darren Waller. And there's Josh Jacobs. Obviously, that's a message to Jacobs and to anyone else who's paying attention. Make us an offer. And you're not going to tell the world you're trying to trade him because you lose your leverage. That's why people say we have no intent to trade. We have no desire to trade. Also, you have to find a way to keep the relationship going in the event that you don't find a trade partner. Right? You don't want to make it obvious you're giving the guy away. You can't wait to get rid of the guy because then it's harder to get through to the guy and to get him to work for you if he thinks he's getting a ticket to somewhere where he's going to be the workhorse. Uh, Somebody asked me, well, why wouldn't he want to be with the Raiders? Because he's not going to get to play the way that that he has, and he's not setting himself up for the kind of payday. Number one, they took away his fifth-year option, and number two, he's not going to have the kind of season that would set him up to get a nice contract on the open market. Yeah. He's not going to have the numbers. Well, maybe he's not going to have yeah, the reps. Maybe not. Maybe not. You're right. You know, th- th- there's there's a lot here at play. You know, I, I hear what you're saying there. I do. And, and, and I do think that there's something there to this conversation. That Now, I'm not going to say it's necessarily trade, but I think there's maybe a point being made maybe because of disappointment in performance or professionalism. I also take Josh McDaniel's word in the fact that, you know, we can look at – let's look where he came from. New England, I don't remember them keeping any backs out of the preseason. They all played all the time because of what we're talking about. There's only so few instances you can get out there and, and get you know used to taking the hits or, wait, there's a hole there, and you got to go in there and smash your body in it. And I, you haven't had to do that all you know all training camp. We got to get used to it. You need to go in there and lower your you know lower your pads and drive for an extra two or three yards when nothing's there. There is skill and a learned skill to that and getting used to that and getting the body and the the mind conditioned to wait. I have to do that. Also, you know, to some of the things you're saying, he's not God's gift to the world anymore. He's not. This is this regime didn't they didn't they didn't draft them in the first round. This is John Gruden's baby that he loved and he was going to roll out the red carpet for. And Josh McDaniels in town, you're right. It's more by committee, so they're going to do it that way. And it is like, hey, new blitz pickups, stuff like that, all of that. But I would take it more as maybe they aren't as happy with what he has done to this point, and that's why they're like, hey, you're you're going to go out in there and play. We you haven't shown yourself to be as professional or as good in practice as we'd like and we're going to make these reps count right here and I also would challenge the people that are on the Twitterverse to go I don't know did this guy like turn into all of a sudden Derrick Henry I'm not ready to say he's that guy yet either to where you just go oh okay hey we're not going to let you rush the ball or do anything here all training camp you know he's been a really good player I don't think he's necessarily lived up to the first round expectation that they were expecting to uh, expecting to get at this point. So I think there's a few things there as far as laying down the Colts or getting used to a system, you know, and some sort of warning that you're alluding to that it needs to be better. But man, they played all their running backs in their game and they did that in New England too. That's where I guess I'm not going to jump to too many conclusions quite yet. By the way, yeah. by the way, we have been doing this for roughly five years now. What and did in I do? five years of show, I'm, I'm getting yeah. there. I'm getting there. I mean, let me build it up a little bit. I just want to blurt it out. I'm nervous. Five I'm nervous. years of doing the show. Yeah. In in all of those editions of the show combined, you had never once used the phrase God's gift to the world. You've used it twice today. I don't I, know how that crept into your brain. I don't know if you read it in a book somewhere. I did but, write it. But somehow, <laughs> yeah. somehow, yeah, yeah, it's a coup d'etat of your brain. That yeah. phrase has taken over your brain today. It just struck me because the first time you said it, it's like, well, I've never, I've, you know, I know all of this guy's phrases and that's a new one. And then you use it again. I, I, I wrote just, it I down that too. That's what's even out. worse. So maybe it's in my head, but, but I will say there is, you know, maybe for, I need to find a better phrase there. But there is something to that too. You know, when you're the first round picks, you know, and I've been, I've seen John Gruden with first round picks, whether it was Cadillac Williams or, or you know, Michael Clayton back in the day, offensive weapons that he liked. 
he rolls out the red carpet for him. They get a little bit of a preferential treatment. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was why the 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 Patriot way and McDaniels were trying to prove here. Like, no, you're this is over. You gotta prove yourself to us. This is a different offense, a different world. And you know, I, I think that maybe is where my mind takes me more than anything. So you know, we'll we'll see where that goes, but I, I don't know. I can't imagine them trading him from this standpoint because it's the last year of the contract. And I would think, hey, what what do they care? Hey, Josh McDaniels wants to get this team off to a good start. He wants his offense to look good. And I mean, if 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 you have no money tied up to him in the future, maybe you you ride that horse a little more than than you normally would. And that's where I'm not going to buy into maybe him being on the trade market quite yet. At least uh, I don't feel like enough things align yet. And he walks away as a free agent, and you get a compensatory draft pick. Exactly. Assuming you have more departures than arrivals in 2023, that's the one thing to remember. It's only if you have net losses in free agency to get those compensatory selections. But, you know, the the Patriots thought or, or the Patriots were believed to be inclined to hang on to receiver Nikhil Harry for that very reason, and they traded him to the Bears. Uh, because uh, you unload that guaranteed salary. I think that's that's the only attraction. Right. $2.2 million fully guaranteed out the door if you do trade him. And and un- unlike quarterback, there will be opportunities to trade Josh Jacobs because there will be injuries at the running back position Definitely. starting this weekend when the preseason games get rolling. Guys at that position will get injured. It's just part of football. Let's take a break. When we return... The Baltimore Ravens reached a contractual agreement with one of their most important players yesterday, but it wasn't Lamar Jackson. (laughs) We'll talk about that on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 